Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Q. As we kick off hour number three of the show, you just heard the voice of the silver and black. That's our good friend Jason Horowitz on his call right there during the 2022 season. And right now we go from one voice of the Raiders to a voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs and then bring in Paul Leffler, uh, again, voice of Fresno State. And, Paul, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. My man, I definitely appreciate you. And how's it been, man? It's been a minute. How's everything going in the 559? Well, you know, the 559 is fantastic, man. The sun is shining today. We've got uh, green grass and snow on the mountains. We actually got some rain this year. It's a, it's a beautiful time of year. And I was just in the Vegas Valley a week or two ago, and it was pretty up there, too. And, and the mountains in between have lots of snow, so that's a good deal right now. <laughs> You're not lying at all. That's exactly what it's like here in Las Vegas right now. Well, we wanted to have you on, man. We had a lot of folks from Raider Nation calling us and, and talking about Jake Hayner, Jake Hayner, Jake Hayner. And, man, Q, you really ought to pay attention to what he's got going on. And so I thought, you know what, let's go to The Voice and, and get your thoughts on the, the young man that had a hell of a 2021 season. 2022, of course, he missed a few games, but – had a big time season in 2021. What could you tell us about about Jake as he starts to take his uh, journey into getting to the next level? Well, I'll tell you, if you just look at the numbers, 2021 looks better. But if you're evaluating who this young man is, 2022 told you a story that I don't think he even knew he was capable of. Because, you know, he goes into this season with great expectations Fresno State loses a heartbreaker at home to Oregon State where he gave them the lead with their last possession, but Oregon State literally scored on the final play of the game. No time left. A do-or-die play, and the Beavers got it, and and so they lost that game. And and the next week, they're at USC in the Coliseum, a game he's been looking forward to his whole life, and he gets his ankle broken. I mean, Mm -hmm. a broken leg on a sack, and most people thought he wasn't going to play again this year. And the doctors told him he wasn't going to play again this year. And I think this is what has now redefined who this young man is. He says, I'm not going out like that. Whatever it takes, I'm going to find a way back on the field. And, you know, six weeks later, there he is playing quarterback. Fresno State wins its last nine games, first team ever to go one and four and end up winning ten games in the season. And his resolve and determination was such a huge part of that. And, I mean, I can talk all day about his skill set and his talents, and we can do that, but I think the heart that he showed, the character that he has, the want to, and that resilience is what the the NFL GMs and the talent evaluators are really going to be drawn to. You know, that's that's those intangibles that you're talking about, you know, and it blew my mind. I remember when he, uh, you know, broke his leg, I was like, there's, okay, that's that's the wrap of his season. But like you mentioned, he was able to come back. That's a lot of work to be able to come back and and lead your team like he was able to do down the stretch. So, I mean, I guess go a little deeper into that. I mean, where does that come from? How how long did you see that kind of burn from from Jake? Well, you know, I, I don't know that it was there to that degree until he got put in that situation. And it was kind of interesting, the same game where they lost Hayner. Again, they're at USC, and you know they were moving the ball. If he had scored on the drive where they broke his leg, it would have been a four-point game in the third quarter. They were in it, had a chance to beat Caleb Williams at USC. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and, you know, the devastation of that injury was bookended by Fresno State's defensive captain, Evan Williams, being lost in the same game and what looked like that could be a season-ending injury. So it was just this, I mean, you got knocked on the canvas as a program, and you're thinking TKO, and the fans are starting to check out. And I, I think Jake just pushed through the panic, the fear, all the doubt, and he just said, well, what can we actually do? What do I have control of? And I think he and Evan fed off of each other. And he got a couple different medical opinions. Part of the story is, you know, Jeff Tedford's the coach, and he's tied with Aaron Rodgers, who played with the McCall, and they end up talking to Aaron Rodgers' doctor, who helped him out, and they got a second opinion. And, and Jake just started attacking the rehab. I mean, this guy is finding, where can he get a stem cell shot? How can he get a bone simulator? What are all the things they could do to heal this fracture in his ankle? And he got back way ahead of schedule and was better than ever. And I think the leadership that he showed brought out so much more in his teammates. Everybody else saw how badly he wanted it. They're like, man, I'm going to work that hard. I want to want it that bad. And the rapport that he developed with his teammates through that, I think, just went to a deeper level. Because before, you know, I'll be honest, um, he enjoyed the attention. A lot of the interviews, he was talking more about himself. And after that, you heard a lot more of that team mentality. I, I think when something's taken away from you, you appreciate it more. And that really showed with Jake. And he matured so much this year. And you talk to him now, and his perspective is just so different. And he just went out to the Senior Bowl and stole the show. I mean, he was the MVP of the Senior Bowl as much for what he did during the week in practice as what he did in the game. And, you know, he doesn't have the height. He he doesn't have that stereotypical body that you're looking for as an NFL quarterback. But he has the brain. He has the ability to read defenses. And his accuracy – I mean, you know what some of the history of Fresno State is quarterback-wise. They've had yep. some pretty good dudes, and he just blew them all out of the water in terms of completion percentage. That's how accurate he is. Yeah, that's awesome. And obviously he's got good leadership skills as well, as you mentioned, and guys uh, wanting to get behind it and, and follow his lead. Again, we're talking with the voice of Fresno State right now, Paul Leffler here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And let's say rough this, but, man, DeBond's got one for you. When it comes to – Mobility, not so much of being a burner like a Lamar Jackson, but the pocket presence and having mobility to manipulate the pocket. How is Jake Hayner when it comes to that and avoiding trouble? You know, that's an area where he really has grown. You know, his his first year as a starter was the COVID year. They only ended up playing six games, but that was a real deficiency for him. He would panic when the heat came. He'd backpedal. He'd bail. He'd get out of the pocket early. You know, he didn't trust it. And this year, we saw him step up in the pocket. If you look at that senior bowl tape, you know, probably his most impressive touchdown, 44-yard touchdown, but he steps up right into the pass rush and lets it fly, knowing he's going to get drilled. And that wasn't part of his deal before. And part of that is he used the offseason going into this year to bulk up, put on 15 pounds, worked on agility. Um, and, you know, we've seen some times where he shows a little athleticism. He gets out in space and will run a little bit, maybe even make one guy miss. But he's not a guy who's going to be a dual threat. He's a guy who's he's going to pick a defense apart, especially if you, you try to a zone concept. Man, he can just put it on the money. I mean, I if I look at it just in the pantheon of quarterbacks that we've seen at Fresno State, you know, he had this year after the injury, he had some of that leadership, intangible panache of Derek Carr, but he had the arm strength of David Carr, um, and he had an accuracy that, neither one of those Carr brothers had, and probably a release pretty comfor- uh, comparable in quickness to what Derek showed at Fresno State. So, I mean, he had a, a great combination of skills. He just doesn't have the size. And, and I know that's going to hold him back in the draft, but whoever gets him and gives him a chance might just stumble onto the next Drew Brees or Brock Purdy or, 
whoever your flavor of the month undersized quarterback is, <laughs> he's good enough to be that guy. From what I've seen at the UNLV game, because I'm a UNLV guy, he looked like the best quarterback in the world to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> he lit UNLV up. But something else that I wanted to ask you, you're very complimentary about his arm, but what is does he make those tight throws, that those deep throws? Does he also try to like thread the needle? Is he a dangerous passer, but also, you know, when it comes to the deep ball, will he risk it to make the big play? Yeah, we saw a lot of that from him this year. And, and you know, the previous year, he probably tried to squeeze it in to too tight a window. And we saw that with Derek earlier in his career, too. Um, but, you know, there were some throws where he didn't need to make. And he's just trying to take something that's not there. And this year, we saw a lot better judgment, you know, a restraint, a patience to take what the defense gives you. But when he needed to put it in a tight window, he could. Um, when he needed to make a crazy throw on the run. I mean, there's there's a throw. If you want to go back, go back to the end of the first half in the bowl game, which was the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl at SoFi, which was spectacular. What an incredible stadium. And what a performance he put on in his last game with Fresno State. The end of the first half, he makes a throw. I don't know how many guys can make this throw. And, and just find it, re-rack it. You'll see exactly what I mean. With the direction he was going, throwing across his body with no momentum to drop it over one defender and in front of another and in exactly the right spot. I mean, he's just got like a video game controller in his hand when it comes to putting the football where it's supposed to be. And he's really improved on that accuracy when he's out of the pocket, right? Whether he's going right or he's going left and has to flip those hips. He's gotten really good at just zipping it in there with the right amount of touch. So, Paul, let me ask you this. What do you think that he needs to work on on the next level to be a, a consistent player and even a franchise quarterback in the, in the league? Well, I think what he needs most is an opportunity, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. needs somebody who sees who he can be and doesn't just see the size. Because he's going to go to the combine and they're going to measure him and they're going to say, oh, he's just barely six feet. They're going to say, oh, this is what his hands are. This is what his bench is, you know, if he even does all those things. And some guys are going to be knocking him. Uh, but what he needs is an opportunity and a little time to show what he can do. And you're going to need him to, pr- to protect him because, mm-hmm. you know, because of his size, he's not going to be as durable in theory as a bigger guy. And we've seen that throughout his career. But his ability to play hurt, to play through the pain, um, I think this year removed all doubt from that. And I think he's growing as a leader. I think, you know, he'll tell you. And he did. He was here last week, and, and I had a chance to talk to him, and he said, you know, the injury – was one of the biggest blessings in his life because that time away helped him to see things he wouldn't have seen otherwise, and he just really grew. So I, I think he just needs the, the right opportunity with the right team. But if you have some weapons around him, he's going to get him the ball. That's the thing, his, his vision and, again, that accuracy. I mean, the RPMs on his spiral are pretty significant. That ball is flying tight. Right, here's a little anecdote for you. When he was out, Right, Nobody knew if he was going to play this again this year or not. A lot of people thought he was done. But we go to New Mexico the week before the San Diego State game, which is when he came back. So the New Mexico game, he's on the trip, but he's still in a boot. And he's out on the field. And we have a, a former NFL guy who played at Fresno State who's our sideline reporter, Cam Worrell, great mm-hmm. guy. You should have him on sometime. He knows his stuff. Yeah. And he and I always go down on the field and throw the ball around a little bit, especially in a place like Albuquerque where you're a mile high and the wind blows. You want to see – you know, what the conditions are going to be, how it goes. So Cam and I, we're, throw, we're giving it everything we've got, and, and we're getting it maybe 50, 55 yards, you know. And here's Jake in a boot, and I, I felt particularly good about one I just unleashed. 
<laughs> and uh, I said, I bet you can't do that right now in that boot. And he goes off one foot just with a flick of the wrist and chucks it like 65 yards on a nose. <laughs> I'm like, man, this guy's put in some work on that cannon. And, and he's just so driven. Every waking hour is spent figuring out how he can be the best quarterback he can be. And that, that commitment is really starting to pay off. That's that's a, I mean that's awesome that really is and that's something that I'm sure NFL teams are going to pay attention to and say okay I see the growth in him and that's that's all that really matters is the growth and what you could do on the next level level again Paul Leffler is the guest that we're talking to right now here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness so is he a guy that you see going to the NFL and maybe having to sit for a year uh, and learn a little bit and 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 learn from the guy in front of him or do you think he's a guy that can go in there and start pretty soon? You know, I think it would be best for him to have that year to sit, to really soak it in, to understand all the other things that go into the game at that level, to get a feel for the speed of the game, um, to have a year of just getting healthier, especially since he's still coming off that injury. But if he does get thrown in there, let's say he is that guy, and in week three the starter gets hurt and he gets thrown to the Wolves, he's not going to be overwhelmed. He's not going to be intimidated. I think that's what, what he's learned, the growth that he's experienced because of the adversity he's faced. Uh, he's going to be ready, and he has that confidence, right? Mm-hmm. Every great quarterback needs to have confidence, and he's got it. You know, he he believes in himself because he's put in the time. He's invested everything he possibly can, time, money. You know, he's got his own private quarterback coach. He started working with a nutritionist this year and really changed his diet because he wanted to be more durable. He's just He's got uh, a sports psychologist who he works with to understand the mental game, and he's talked at length about that about how he comes through in those critical situations. You know, the year before it was the win at the Rose Bowl with the late touchdown. This year they're down 13 to San Diego State with just over a minute to go, and they score 15 points in 13 seconds with a touchdown, onside kick, another touchdown, and a two-point conversion in there too. I've never seen anything like it. And a lot of that comes from just his ability to focus in those moments where other guys are overwhelmed. Did we lose him? Oh, man, that was really good stuff. Did we lose him? Did we lose him, Devon? Uh, I, I think we did. <laughs> Dang it. That was really good stuff. I was, I was getting deep into that uh, into that story he was telling and breaking it down right there. It's a lot of good uh, breakdown right now from Jake Hayner, uh, on Jake Hayner from Paul Leffler, the voice of Fresno State. We got him back. All right, we got him <laughs> back. Go ahead. Go ahead, Paul. Sorry about that. We lost you for a quick second. I'm sorry, guys. It must be the five five nine, the interference <laughs> in the atmosphere, or something here. I don't know. It doesn't like the seven zero two. I guess. Um, <laughs> no, I was just saying. You know, he's got that clutch factor where, when everybody else is feeling all the different things that are going on, he's able to tune that out and really zero in on just executing his piece of it. And he's got supreme confidence that he's going to make that happen. So I think when he gets his opportunity in the NFL, wherever that is. He's got a chance to stick for a long time because he just has something that most guys don't. Even if they have all the physical tools, they don't have that that mental greatness, that supreme, exact, undeterrable focus that he's displayed on numerous occasions this year. And speaking of the mental game, it sounds like he's got the attitude part of it, you know, the mental makeup and that mental toughness. But what does it come about his command of the offense that he had at Fresno State? Was he in charge of maybe calling plays, the the pre-snap reads? Did he have to do any of that at Fresno? He did, and that's an area where he really grew. You know, early on, I think there were a lot of those situations where he missed what might have happened, right? 
Uh, later on, he picked up more of them. You know, he wasn't afraid to check to a run play. He wasn't just looking for his stats necessarily. And the other thing with him is he developed a trust with all his receivers. You know, sometimes you'll see a quarterback and he's got one or two guys, and those are the only guys he's really going to go to when the game's on the line. And with him, a lot of his biggest throws were to guys you wouldn't expect. I mean, they've got a, a 5'9 former walk-on named Eric Brooks who caught the game winner at the Rose Bowl, caught some huge third-down plays this year. Um, and, and then he had, you know, a, a couple big-time, like, all-conference caliber guys in Cropper and Remigio. But it didn't matter. If somebody was open, he's giving them the ball and trusting that they're going to do their part. And that's a big thing, too. I mean, when you see a team that has trust, that's the secret sauce. And I think he has that confidence in his teammates from putting in the time, from working with them. And just there's just something extra that he has in his mental game that, again, most players and most quarterbacks even don't have. Well, he clearly had some growth, a lot of growth there at Fresno State. He went on to the Senior Bowl and was the MVP of the, the actual game. He's going to go to the Combine. I'm sure he's going to wow with his arm there. Uh, so that's going to be, be interesting to see exactly where he, uh, you know, where he ends up in, and how his career shakes out. But it sounds like uh, he's a good one, and that's why a lot of folks have called in and said, hey, you got to pay attention to Jake Hayner. So that's why we went to the guy. We went to Paul Leffler, the voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs, to get the, to get the insight on Jake. So uh, I know it's a busy time for you. It's probably never slow. Uh, I know that spring football should be starting right around the corner at the beginning of March. What else is going on uh, at Fresno State that you, uh, you're involved with heavily right now? Well, you know, it's uh, we're hot and heavy in a basketball season. We've got the conference tournament coming up in Vegas next month. And, yep. uh, Fresno State's had kind of a down year, but they're gritty. They almost upset San Diego State last night. But I'm actually on my way to the airport right now. Nice. Fresno State's playing in um, – the Desert Invitational put on by Major League Baseball to open the college baseball season. There's mm-hmm. seven college teams that are playing in spring training parks in Arizona. And uh, Fresno State opens up against Michigan tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock, so I'll be out there calling that game. But I, I do have to say one more thing about Hayner. If you guys get him there at Vegas, you guys are going to have a blast because he's a soundbite machine. <laughs> he gives you the most hilarious material. You know, the, the filter isn't always that strong, and I'm sure that's going to change through his pro career. But he really is, is pretty open and candid and tells you how he feels. And he says some pretty stinking funny stuff. So I think you guys will have a blast if he ends up in silver and black. There you go. Well, you know, you, you never know. You never know. They had a long run with the former Bulldog, right? And we're always interested to see where D.C. is going to end up. And, you know, he represented the Fresno State Bulldogs really well with the Raiders throughout the course of his career. And I know everyone there in the 559 is proud of what he was able to do. And, of course, Devontae is still here in Vegas representing with the Raiders. So, uh, Paul, fantastic stuff, man. I know you're going to have a, a great call on the in the baseball tournament. And uh, we'll see you out here. I'm assuming we'll see you out here at the Thomas & Mac soon for that Mountain West Conference. And I uh, would love to catch up with you when you're when you're out here sounds good man we'll meet at the tark statue and rub that head for good luck <laughs> sounds good there he goes paul leveler the voice of the fresno state bulldogs with us here talking all things jake hater on uh, on raider nation radio 920 definitely appreciate his time 420 is the time when we come back we'll get back to your calls and texts we got plenty to get to plus we got cover three nfl news and notes coming up around 4 30 ish this is raider nation radio 920 now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. Many thanks to Paul Leffler, the voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs, who joined us to talk all things Jake Hayner. We've had plenty of people call in and suggest that the Raiders go after Jake Hayner, the young man from Fresno State. So I'll ask you, Damon, 
based off everything that you heard from Paul right there in the little breakdown, and I thought it was a very informative breakdown. What did you think? I'm going to be honest. I'm still not in. Where it's it's the good in theory, but like Emory Hunt said, if you're looking for a good number two, and there's nothing wrong with that, having a quality backup quarterback, mm-hmm. you'll be able to find him in this draft, and I think Jake Hayner will be that guy in the sixth or seventh round for a team that wants to pick him up. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, I just you know the the thing about the you know the the mobility and and not a, a whole lot of that. Uh, I do like the fact that. That you know he started stepping up in the pocket uh, after the injury. I like that he battled back from injury. I think that that's impressive. And I remember being very impressed when he got injured. I was like, oh, that's the end of their season. And then all of a sudden he came back, and I was like, wait, hold on, he ain't supposed to be able to come back from that, you know, this quickly. But uh, he did get back, and and I thought that that was uh, that was great on his part. I just was never a hundred percent sold on on him from you know a size point of view and. Just didn't didn't know if he had exactly what it took to be a big time NFL quarterback, but like Paul said, he just needs an opportunity. I mean, that's all you could ever ask for in in life is an opportunity. If you get an opportunity, it's up to you to show what you could do with it. No matter where he gets into, you know, wherever he gets drafted to, or or just ends up at, I mean, he'll have an opportunity to show what he's got. And and if he can sling the rock, and you know, talk about his accuracy is better than than both David Carr and Derek Carr then, you know, that's cool. I, and I, I say this again, and I've said it multiple times, and I know people don't like it when I say it. I wonder how much of a, oh, he's too much like Derek, do, are people going to say? You know what I mean? Like, how much, how much is Raider Nation going to say, ah, oh, no, I'm good. I don't need another Fresno State quarterback. And, oh, he's too much like Derek. Like, I don't, I'm not saying he is, but I just feel like that guilty by association sometimes, that's what, that's what uh, you know, that's, that's what happens. So I wonder how many people would say that. I think he shouldn't run into those comparisons because they're completely different quarterbacks where when we talk about the size, where we talk about the arm strength, even the accuracy, he, he, if he has a little bit more than Derek Carr. I don't think you can – but, like, yeah, I say that, but then Ohio State quarterbacks. Right. I, I, I mean, say all that to say, no, people wouldn't do that, but, no, they definitely would. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, again, I'm not saying it's right. It's yeah. not the way to go. I mean, again, I remember one of the biggest things – I remember was uh, the Raiders drafted DJ Hayden, and that didn't work out for the Raiders at all. They drafted a number 12 overall. They were going to draft a number three overall, but they ended up trading with the Miami Dolphins, and even though they didn't get anything back in return, um, you know, they, they, they made that big trade and ended up getting DJ Hayden at number 12, and it didn't work out with him. And I remember a year or two later, William Jackson was coming out of Houston, and I was very high on William Jackson, and... Everybody that I would say anything to about, man, the Raiders need to go out and get William Jackson, everyone to a T said, oh, no, no, no more no more Houston defensive backs. And I was like, you can't bunch them all together, but that's what we do naturally. We do, You know what I mean? Like, it's not something that we even try to go out of our way to do. We do it naturally. Just like we've had people call in and say, I wouldn't touch another Ohio State quarterback with a 10-foot pole. I mean, again, you know, and, and even cornerback for that much. You know, Damon Arnett, Garyon Conley, both Ohio State cornerbacks. Neither one of them worked out for the Silver and Black. So if I tell you that at the top of the, the big board for the Raiders this upcoming year is an is a Ohio State cornerback, you're probably going to tell me, no! <laughs> <laughs> nobody listens to techno, right? I mean, nobody, you know what I mean? Like, nobody wants that. But that's, again, it's not fair to that player because just because you went somewhere doesn't mean that you're that guy. But naturally, we do that. We just start lumping people in uh, with, you know, with whoever, you know, whatever program they played for, wherever they played. So that's one of those situations. I know for the longest, 
people used to tell me, yeah, but how often does an Alabama guy really work out in the NFL? Like, they're all used up by the time they get to the league. I remember that was something that people were saying when I was talking about Josh Jacobs. Ah, he's an Alabama running back. They're not, he's not going to pan out. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I think he will. <laughs> and obviously, he did, right? Derrick Henry did. Mark Ingram did. I mean, <laughs> the list goes on and on. You know, they're not all, uh, what was homeboy's name? That Eddie Lacy. No, well, uh, him too. What was the other? Uh, what was the other cat that went to Cleveland? Um, you know, what I'm talking about Trent Richardson. Yeah, they're not all Trent Richardson, <laughs> right? I mean, but that was the poster child. Like, ah, no, nah, no, no, thanks. So that's uh, unfortunately, like I said, that 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 happens at times. So uh, I do believe that a lot of people would say something like that when it comes to Jake Hayner. But that's again, that's just my gut feeling on that. Uh, we got a text from Geese Mode. He sounds like a driven leader, which is great, but haven't we had enough with the polarizing quarterback situation? That's what's in store for any Fresno State quarterback to the silver and black. That's Gizmo's text right there. What did we just say? Hey, man. Well, if that's, if that's how he feels, but it's just such a bad argument to make. The, polar, the polarization of the quarterback, what Derek Carr did over a decade ago at Fresno State, should have no bearing on what you think about Jake Hayner. Right. Over but, a decade. But it will. It absolutely will. Absolutely. And, you know, there's, again, it's not, it's not just, you know, grabbing something and, and throwing it against the wall and hoping it sticks. I mean, a lot of times you can look at certain programs and say, oh, well, yeah, in that system, of course that player is going to be good. For the longest, it was Baylor quarterbacks. And a guy that covered Baylor, I could tell you straight up, it was true. Right? I mean, they had Bryce Petty. Remember Bryce Petty? Oh, he was fantastic. He broke all kind of records, had all kind of numbers. Oh, he was the guy. He got to the NFL. He couldn't read a defense worth a lick. He said he learned how to read defenses from playing Madden. Right? I mean, it was because it was part of the system. It was part of that Bryle system. Okay? Um, you know, you're going to throw here or here. Like, those are your only two options. I'll tell you this, DeMond. I'd be standing on the sideline at a Baylor game because that was always my role. Was always I never wanted to be in the press box. I always wanted to stand on the sideline and watch the game. I'd be there watching the game. And wide receivers that knew the ball wasn't coming to them, they wouldn't even take off in the route. They would stand at the line of scrimmage. Like, literally, if you go back and look at some early Baylor games with Bryce Petty as the quarterback, hell, even with RG3 as the quarterback, you know, you go back and look at some of those Art Bryles teams, you'll see a guy barely leave the line of scrimmage because, well, the ball's not coming his way. He already knows that. That's how simplistic the offense was. Now, it was creative to the point where they scored a ton of points, they spread you the hell out, and they were able to score points. Like It was like basketball on turf. But if you weren't in the, in the route, coach would tell you, don't even, don't even worry about running. We want to save you. We want to be able to go fast, <laughs> and we want to be able to save your, your energy. And that's what they would do. And I always thought that that was a shame because, well, defenses would say, well, he's not getting the ball. He's not even trying. So, you know, and then you saw all the quarterbacks that didn't make it in the NFL. Like there's so many Baylor quarterbacks that did not make it. Q, I want to excuse me. I want to keep talking about Baylor quarterbacks because when you're talking about Matt Rule and when he first got there, I did a little research. Do you remember Charlie Brewer? Yeah, I do. I sure do. He was the tough guy. Charlie Brewer was the guy that was the blue collar dude. He was tough as nails. He was this, that, and the other. But he wasn't a guy that was a prototypical NFL guy. He was just he was just a quarterback that was supposed to, I believe, go to SMU, and then he transferred, in, uh, or he decommitted and decided to go to Baylor instead. Well, this is the fascinating part about Charlie Brewer. Would it surprise you if I told you this past season was his last season in college football as he finished up at Liberty University? Yeah, no, it's... It's, it's one of those... Isn't he, how many been in college, like, reference. seven years? Yes! <laughs> That's the only reason I brought him up. I was just doing a little Baylor research, you know, yeah. talking about Matt Rule. And then I was like, oh, who was one of his starting quarterbacks when they went 1-11? 
Right. Oh, Charlie Brewer. Yep. And this guy was the third string quarterback at Liberty this past season. Yeah, exactly. That's a fascinating career. What does that tell you? A third <laughs> string quarterback at Liberty, and he's like seven years into his college career. He went from Baylor to, I think, Utah, mm-hmm. and then Liberty, right? Or yep. was there another stop? Yeah, and I mean, he's had like four senior years. Right. So hopefully this is his last one. you got to hang him up sometimes. Well, I mean, he doesn't. he's not going to get any burn in the league, that's for sure. <laughs> um, like I said, Bryce Petty, the Jets drafted him, I think, in the fourth round. Uh, and he ended up in Miami for a quick minute, and then he was out of there. But, he, again, he didn't, he didn't do anything. Uh, I remember talking to Kimberly Martin when she was covering the Jets for uh, ESPN, and she told me straight up, like, yeah, Bryce is a cool guy, but I don't think he knows football. I mean, that was like that was that was her response to Bryce Petty, a guy who they had drafted in the fourth round. You know, uh, other guys that they had, um, Seth Russell. They had Seth Russell. He got injured. He wasn't going to be a quarterback in the league either. Like RG three is really the only guy that made it to the league, and you saw how short his career was. And he was a damn Heisman Trophy winner. So if if I were to tell you right now, oh, hey, Damon, I think the next quarterback of the Raiders should be this guy from Baylor, you would tell me, hell no. Hell no. When's the last Baylor quarterback that made it? And I'd say, well, you're not wrong. Yeah, but they just ha- they've never had one. Like you even mentioned RG3 and I'm like, he didn't he barely he made it one season. That's so, what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, that's, so yeah, I'm agreeing with you. That's what I'm saying. I mean, his his career wasn't worth the salt. You know, and I mean, they, him, they have, uh, they have uh, a, a couple guys now, and this is, I got to give credit to Matt Rule, that when he, he signed on as the, as the head coach of Baylor, he told his recruits, I'm going to the NFL, and if you want to go with me, I'll get you there. And he did. There's a handful of players right now from the Matt Rule era that are in the NFL and are successful. But I'll tell you, man, it wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot early in the Bryles days because Bryles wasn't worried about you getting to the league. Bryles was worried about winning games. So he was doing whatever it took to win games in college. He even told us, hey, man, my job ain't to get those guys to the league. My job is to get W's. If I get W's, we go to bowl games, we win the Big 12 Conference, then my job is secure. That's what my job is, is to win games for Baylor University, not put guys in the NFL. And that, I thought, was always a bad approach because who doesn't go to college to want to go to the NFL? And that's why Jared Stidham had to get out of there. Well, no, Jared St- you know what's funny? If Bryles hadn't got – that's funny. I'm glad you brought up Stidham. Yeah, there you go, Baylor quarterback. If, if Stidham had stuck around – man, I'm glad you brought him up. I can't believe I, I forgot about him. I totally blanked on him. He would have been a dude that put up massive numbers, but I don't know how successful he would have been in the league. He would have, if he had stuck around with Bryles, he would have put up stupid numbers because, again, that system was crazy. He ended up going to Auburn, which I never thought was a a great fit for him. But he did some good things there, and he got some you know he got some SEC training and 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 coaching, and so now he's you know made a, a name for himself in the in the in the league so far in a small sample size. But that's probably yeah. I'm glad you brought him up. That's probably the most you know I don't want to say the most successful guy because at least RG three played a whole year. But yeah, those are the two dudes, RG three and Jared Stidham, and Jared Stidham's now a Raider. So there's that. So, hey, when people say Baylor quarterbacks, I know it was only one season for them. That's Baylor quarterback. I mean, again, I'm, I don't know how I completely blanked on Stidham when we're talking about Baylor quarterbacks. Everyone and their mother has been calling in saying, ride with Stiddy, ride with Stiddy. Maybe that's why I'm hesitant to ride with Stiddy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like him. I like him a lot. Known him since high school. But, yeah, there's that. So, good stuff. Good stuff. Good conversation. 4.36 at the time. We'll come back. We'll get a couple of cover three NFL news and notes, and we'll close out the show real strong. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. 
on Raider Nation Radio. 441 is the time. Mailman Raider hit us up on the WBroke.com text line at 69187 keyword RNR. Yo, Q, you think you can get someone on to talk Hendon Hooker at some point? We'd like to hear more on him. Absolutely. That's the beautiful thing about it. We're going to do that. We're going to do all the deep diving. We'll deep dive into everyone you want to deep dive into and then some. As I mentioned, we plan on being at the Combine. We'll definitely be in the draft at Kansas City. But this is a rare time for the Silver and Black where, one, they're picking in the top ten. Two, they need a quarterback. So we're going to exhaust every single aspect of this search. We're going to search high and low, as I know Dave Ziegler and company are doing. So, yeah, when it comes to Hendon Hooker, we'll definitely, definitely get get uh, get someone on talking about him and what he brings to the table. And he's a guy that I think would have won the Heisman Trophy if he, uh, you know, if he hadn't tore his ACL. I mean, that dude had a phenomenal season. So we'll de- we'll do that. We'll make that happen. Uh, also, Mailman Raider said, "Yo, Demon, I got your back. Why should females be the only ones to get the fruity drinks? Maybe I like to be healthy when I'm getting drunk." That's from the Mailman Raider. And That's right. Demond was the king of the fruity drinks in Arizona. I don't know how many times Adam Hill took pictures of you with some fruity drink that you were having. And it just, it don't even look right. It just doesn't, I mean, one, and Demond's a young cat, so it's not going to affect him right now. But as you get older, you realize those fruity drinks are full of what? Sugar. And sugar is not good for you when you're having a few beverages because then it makes the next day that much worse. Now, right now, DeMond, you can handle it. Not a big deal. You're a young cat. You get a little bit older, man. All of a sudden, that sugar is going to be like, I don't know if I do that. Right now, everyone looks at me and laughs. and is like, I don't understand why Q <laughs> always grabs Tito's and water. And I'm like, you'll learn. You'll learn. I found Tito. the uh, menu from the Rough Rider. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Hit me with it. Okay. So this is what I had, guys. I am hope I'm pronouncing this word right. Um, the that wait, hold on, hold on. That tells you all you need to know. <laughs> if you had, if you're ordering a drink that you don't even know the name of, that tells you all. Like I, I ordered Tito's and water. You know how I know how to say that? Tito's and water. It's that simple. Well, let me just give you the ingredients: the St. George green chili vodka, okay. strawberry and kiwi jam, <laughs> ginger, twisted bee habanero honey, and lime. Sugar and more sugar. The uh, pin, pinochet, pinochet. I don't preserves. know. I don't you, know. Pinochet you ordered preserves. it, not me. I didn't even know. I just said I just saw strawberry, and I was like, "All right, cool." What is it called? Um, the pinochet preserves. Oh, yeah. Okay, that was the name of it. I thought that was something that was in it. That was actually yeah. the name of it. Okay, yeah, that was the name of it. I mean, sounds pretty. Uh, sounds pretty manly to me. I mean, <laughs> does it? Yeah, does it really? The Saint George Green Chili Vodka. Strawberry and kiwi jam. Yeah, wait, wait, hold on. Stop right there. Strawberry and kiwi jam. Yes. When do you need? When does anyone need strawberry and kiwi jam in their drink? It's called a cobbler, Q. It's uh, <laughs> you know how they used to make the drinks back in the old days. That's why we. Where's were Jared? Up. Where's Jared? Yeah, tell exactly. Us. I'll yeah. tell you what, Raider Nation, and Jared's been on the show multiple times. Jared is the uh, uh, uh just a overwhelming amount of useless information. There was, I don't know how many times, Damon, during our trip, did I look at Jared and say, where the hell did that come from? Why are you telling me that? And why do you know that? <laughs> and it's always something that doesn't necessarily fit the situation. But it's kind of, so he'll just bring it up and it's like, that's not helping anybody here. At all. 
at all. Like, where were we? We were at the Arrogant Butcher, and they didn't have a bone-in ribeye, but they had a New York, and he was like, that was actually called the Kansas City steak, but they couldn't sell it in New York, so they had to change it to the New York steak. That's actually uh, something like that. I don't know. So he goes on this big old long rant about it. Not even a rant, just like the facts about it. And I'm not saying his facts you know? are wrong. Yeah, did you know? He's, a, he's the king of did you know. That dude told us so many different things. He hit us about, you know, what, prohibition? I mean, mm-hmm. us, I mean, look, and I give him credit for having knowledge. Like, I'm not knocking him for having knowledge. I'm not, because he has way more knowledge than I do, but it's about random stuff that comes up at the most random time. And it's so funny, because I, I would ask him multiple times, like, where the hell did that come from? And Tamar would say, I'm glad I wasn't the only one thinking it. <laughs> yeah, because you know, I just like to let him cook. You know, you go ahead and spit out your facts. But it would be the person where if you were drowning in quicksand, he would tell you all the facts about quicksand. Right, exactly. But you wouldn't be able to you get know why? You know why you're drowning right now? Because this is going on and that's going on. And then be like, look, can you help me out? I'm drowning. Oh, uh, let me call somebody. Right? I mean, <laughs> he, <laughs> but you got to love him. I mean, again, you got to love him because he's, he's got the knowledge. He just, he just randomly at some times just points up something and and it's just like yeah where did that come from so there you go there's there's jared um geese mode said i get your point damon each player should be evaluated based on their attributes and experience no matter where they're from but i think that proves the point i want the raiders to be known as a team that turns over every stone for a chance to win not the franchise that always rolls with the fresno state for the quarterback and that's going back to the conversation we had about jake hater and again i'm not knocking him at all he might end up being fantastic but I just think that, that I feel like that, that that title is gonna ride with him more than he needs. Right? Uh at least at least with this fan base. Um maybe if you know the previous quarterback wasn't so polarizing. But I mean look, we t- we talked to Paul Gutierrez yesterday from ESPN and he's putting out a piece he's working on right now for ESPN dot com about the most polarizing player in Raider franchise history. And think about this out of all the Hall of Famers that this franchise has, all the great players that aren't in the Hall of Fame that the franchise has, the most polarizing player in the history of the team potentially could be Derek Carr. Think about that. To me, that's wild. But that's going to be, and that's why I'm excited to read his piece, because I, I think that I think there's some validity to that. Just because it's either extreme one way or extreme the other way. It's, it's, it's something that, I mean, maybe that, maybe that's how it's going to be, like, moving forward. And I don't mean just with the Raiders. I just mean in general. Like, maybe some players are just so polarizing and they're so, you know, they get the fan base so fired up. Maybe maybe that's what we're going to start seeing more of. I don't know. But, man, it's, 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 it was always – it always kind of blew my mind, you know, how, how polarizing he was. And, again, that's not knocking him at all. I mean, a lot of it's not even on his own. It's not his fault. It's not like he asked to be polarizing. He just – it's like either you were super pro car or you weren't. It seemed like there was no middle in the middle. Like, yeah, he's cool. Like if you said if you said yeah, he's cool. It's like, oh, you hate him. You're a hater. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, I said he's cool. It's cool. Q, I gotta ask you a question. All right, got you're an talking answer. about hey, people don't want the Fresno State retread. But what college? I didn't say that. Those are those well, are those are other words. I'm sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to put that. I didn't down. say that. But yeah. people, they out here saying. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, what college would you say is the quarterback university? As you have other schools like we're tight in you. Oh we're yeah. You were. I don't. I don't know who quarterback you would be. You well, know, he's coming from there. That's you got to get him. That's a great question. It really is. That is a great question. I mean, Mahomes came from Texas Tech. That sure as hell 
ain't quarterback you. Justin Herbert came from Oregon. That's not quarterback you. Russell Wilson had a couple stops. <laughs> NC State in North in uh, Wisconsin, excuse me. You know, that that's very interesting. Justin Fields, Ohio State. We all know how everyone feels about Ohio State. Jalen Hurts, Bama and Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma, you could put Oklahoma in there. They obviously have have a little bit of skins on the wall, but that was pre or that was during the what, the Lincoln Riley run? Lincoln Riley's now at USC and they also pumped out a a, a, a a Heisman Trophy winner and Caleb Williams. I think USC had a nice little run as quarterback U, right? I mean, they had Matt Liner, Carson Palmer. Uh, they had uh, Sanchez even went to the league. Uh, Booty went to the league. Uh, there was multiple guys that went to the league from USC. So uh, I could see them maybe having a little bit of claim. Caleb's going to be, I think he's going to be a hell of a player next year. But I, I do think that that's a really good question, right? I mean, Joe Burrow, he came from LSU, but he also transferred. He was at Ohio State before. Josh Allen. He went to yeah. Reed, he went to Reedley College, he went to Reedley College in the five five nine. He went to community college, and then he went off. You know, he transferred, but he originally was a Reedley College cat. I think quarterback is very. I don't know. I mean, yeah. I think you, you can find quarterbacks just about anywhere. You just don't know. I mean, that's I guess that's going to the point of turning over every every stone. Aaron Rodgers obviously was a Cal guy. You know, I mean, Tom Brady was a Michigan dude. That's, so, a, good, that's yeah, a good question. There's really none. There's no one that you would want to pick. But I did find an article from Bleacher Report. This is about 10 years old, so it doesn't have that much credence now. But their number one was Purdue. And okay, you would say Drew Brees. Bob Greasy. Okay. And Lynn Dawson. <laughs> Yeah, that, when it comes to quarterbacks that have won a Super old. Bowl, yeah, that's definitely yeah, old. but it's but you, you could say, hey, but Purdue, you pick one of their quarterbacks. They've got three quarterbacks that have won a Super Bowl starting. Yeah, but nobody would care about that. No, no, that's a good question. That's really a good question. If you're looking for a quarterback, where do you go? I think there's a handful of schools that you know, like I said, Oklahoma. I mean, Bama's been putting out some some quality guys lately. Mac Jones, Bryce Young is on the way, but before that. You know, I mean, what was it, A.J. McCarron? It was nobody knocking down the door to, to draft A.J. McCarron, and all he did is win national championships. I think Bama may be the new school, though, because, I mean, you've got, I'm going to count Jalen Hurts, yeah. Mac Jones, Tua. Yep. Bryce yep, Jones that's is going to be the number one pick. That's true. Yeah, I always wondered. That was one of the big questions because, like I said, I've been an Alabama fan for a long time, so I've always enjoyed watching them play. But you remember before Lane Kiffin went there as the offensive coordinator, it was really just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. It wasn't really spread it wide open and throw the ball around the yard. Uh, after that, they started op- opening things up. I always wondered why a really good quarterback wouldn't just go to Alabama knowing that they're going to have a damn good defense and a great running game and just dominate. I never understood because they always have had wide receivers. They've always had running game, and they've always had defense. I never understood why a big-time quarterback wouldn't go there. And now, big-time quarterbacks are going there. So, uh, okay. That's a, that's a good question, man. But even if you look at I think it would be more of who coached you when it comes to is that quarterback going to succeed or looking at the type of players that their coaches put into the league rather than just that college. Because you mentioned Lane Kiffin. And we could, like you mentioned, A.J. McCarron, yep. Greg McElroy. Yeah. Those guys were winning national championships. Right. But they weren't, they weren't producing anything in the league. They weren't doing nothing in the league. And, you know, a lot of that also has to do with going back to what, you know, Bryles was saying at Baylor. Like, my job's not to put them in the NFL. 
like Urban Meyer, he wasn't putting cats in the NFL at the quarterback position from the you know from Florida. Like Tim Tebow got there. I know it's probably a sore subject with a lot of Raider Nation who's afraid that Joshua Daniels is going to go draft another Tim Tebow. But you saw when he got to the league, he was just a really good college coach, a quarterback, not a not a good NFL quarterback. Even going to UT, Vince Young, he was a great college co- quarterback, just not a great NFL quarterback. Not to mention his team that drafted him didn't want him. Um, you know, there's just it's 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 interesting. You know, and I think that's why it's so hard to evaluate the quarterback position because they could be great in college, and then all of a sudden they transition to the NFL, and it's like you're speaking another language. Gizmo said USC, and again, with Lincoln Riley there at USC, I think you could say that. Uh, he also says people out here are saying North Dakota. Well, how many people came from uh, North Dakota? Uh, what, Carson Wentz? Didn't he go from Car- North Dakota? Yeah. Carson Wentz and Trey who Lance. else? Trey Lance and um, I can't who, think of the other. Yeah. I can see that. But Carson Wentz is not a good poster <laughs> child for anything anymore. Yeah. So I think Alabama's taking the lead in this. Yeah. And then Oklahoma, if you want to, you know, give them both Jalen Hurts. Yeah, you got to. You got. I mean, he was a Heisman Trophy runner-up, you know, or he was a finalist, at least for the Heisman Trophy there at Oklahoma. Kyler Murray won a Heisman Trophy. Baker Mayfield won a Heisman Trophy. You got to give them credit. So, yeah, that's a good question, man. That was a great way to close out the show right there. Huh. Well, appreciate all our guests that we had on the show today. Courtney Cronin from ESPN. Emery Hunt, owner of Football Game Plan. CBS Sports HQ, talking all things draft. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus, talking all things draft. Paul Leffler, the voice of the Fresno State Bulldogs, talking all things Jake Hayner. We appreciate him. Tomorrow we'll do a little deep diving into Jalen Ramsey. I think we're going to have Coach Rod Whitson for the XFL on. We'll have Carolina Teague talking some XFL as well. And we'll close out the week really strong. So, Raider Nation, we appreciate you as always. Make sure you wake up with the morning tailgate, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Have a great evening.